I feel like we need to do something before we start, so all of our campuses uh, join us in this. Um, I, I'm guessing that there may have been uh, some sin committed on Thanksgiving, the sin of gluttony. If that's you, just raise your hand, all right? You're absolved of all your gluttony, right? I, I love Thanksgiving. We got to spend it here in Charleston with some friends, and no matter where you go to Thanksgiving, almost anywhere, uh, at least in the United States, you're gonna get turkey, you're gonna get dressing, you're gonna get pumpkin pie. It's just so like consistent, like that's just the food. And I'm sure we mix it up a little bit, but at the end of the day, that's Thanksgiving. It's so consistent. And, and good food requires consistent preparation. Well, that's also true of worship. If we're gonna worship well, there are some consistent practices that we need to engage in, some preparation, if you will. And preparation really equals discipline. I grew up as a pretty undisciplined person. Um, I played sports, I didn't really work that hard. I was able to kind of skate by. I, I wasn't that great of a student, but I was able to kind of slide by. And then you grow up a little bit and you realize, man, if I don't discipline myself a little bit, I'm not gonna like make it. The, the, the life is not gonna go well, and, and you, you, you begin to look in your life, I don't know if you ever do this, and you kind of go, I'm doing good here, and I'm doing good here, but this over here, not so great, right? And we tend to gravitate towards what is easy, what is effortless, and it, it begins to catch up with us a little bit. I know that uh, some of you had the same thought that I had, which was, I gotta get back in the gym after this Thanksgiving deal. Like, and we get that physically, right? That if we're going to, um, you know, if we're going to shrink, <laughs> it's gonna require some preparation, it's gonna require some discipline. So, so we understand it when we're preparing food, we understand it when we're trying to uh, burn the calories from the food off of our body, but sometimes our spirituality, it's a little bit of a struggle, isn't it? How do you actually discipline yourself? How do you actually learn to grow and how do you, as we're talking about in this series, how do you become a worshiper? Uh, years ago, I read a book that was just super helpful to me. It's by a pastor by the name of John Ortberg, and he wrote a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. And his whole thing was, when you discipline yourself, 
you actually get what you want. And we know that's true. If you're gonna lose weight, you gotta get to the gym, right? If you want a good meal, you gotta discipline yourself with the right ingredients. It works the same way in our spiritual lives. And this book was so helpful, and he threw out all these definitions. And, and I just found them to be super helpful. I hope you do too. So here's the first one. He defines discipline as any activity that I can do by direct effort that will help me do what I cannot now do by direct effort. Uh, let me explain it this way. Our friend Emily is a triathlete. And she doesn't just do triathletes, uh, or you know, she does tri- triathlons. She doesn't simply participate she wins, right? Uh, she, she just went to Kona, which is where the world championships in Hawaii, and she placed in her age. It's unbelievable. Well, I was having lunch with her husband, and I was over at their house, and, they, and I was in the room where they have their stationary bike, where she trains, and, and he gets delayed on this phone call. We're gonna go out to lunch, and so I'm, she comes in, and I can tell she's got her bike gear on, and, and she's, I said, what are you gonna ride? And she goes, yeah, I'm gonna ride, and then I'm gonna grab something to eat. And I'm like, great, you know, Steve got delayed. We'll get to, you can just join us for lunch later. And she's like, no, I was thinking more, I'm gonna eat like, you know, dinner. And I'm like, it's 11 o'clock. She's like, I know, this is a five hour ride for me. That's my goal for, the, for Kona. And she almost hit that goal, right? She, Emily knows that if you're going to triathlon, you can't just try harder. You have to train smarter. You, you can't just have good intentions, you have to have great preparation. And the same is true in our spiritual lives. We do things now by direct effort so that we can do what we want to do later. That's essentially what it means to be disciplined. When I heard this five-hour thing, it, 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 I was shocked by it, but no more shocked than the first time one of, one of the people that I was around as a new Christian said, hey, I prayed for an hour this week. I mean, yeah, I was like, the whole week, right? No, 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 on Tuesday. I'm like, you prayed for an hour straight? How did you do that? Like, I ran out of things. Like, God, thanks for two arms, two legs, and ten toes, and like, my mom, my dad. I mean, I, how do you, an hour? And so I was, you know, contemplating this with a guy that was kind of helping me grow. He's like, well, Darren, start with five minutes, right? Build the muscle. I didn't know it, but he was telling me, prepare, discipline, train. This is what it's about. It's not about trying as much as it is about training. You do what you can do now to enable you to do what you want to do later. This is what it means to become a worshiper. It's training our hearts to let God be at the center. Him be the focus, him be our gaze. That's what it means to be disciplined. That's what it means to be a worshiper. And if you do this discipline thing, you become a disciplined person. So what does that mean? It means that someone who can do the right thing at the right time, in the right way, with the right spirit. So right thing, that involves action. Right time, that's about discernment. Right way, that's technique, which we'll get into. Right spirit, that's about attitude. And if you do this, if you become this, you will also become what is called spiritually mature. And this is what it means to be a worshiper. It's simply, not simple, but simply living as Jesus would if he were in our place. To think how he would think, to feel 
how he would feel and therefore to do what he would do. And all this came out of this great book and I was just so encouraged. I mean, like this is the goal of worship. This is the touchdown, people, right? This, this is what our scorecard should look like. Here's the question, how? How do you do that? How do you become this kind of person? How do you become the kind of person who is living as if Jesus is living in our place? How do we do that? Well, I was so excited after reading the book, John Ortberg was speaking at a conference. I'm like, yes, he's gonna talk about his book. And I'm gonna get more insight, it's gonna be awesome. And, and he gets up and he doesn't talk about his book. He talks about another guy's book. I'm like, who comes to a conference and doesn't talk about their own book? But, he, but, the, but this other book, he's like, you can't believe this, this thing changed my life. And it's called Sacred Pathways and, and this guy Gary Thomas and it was just awesome. And, and, and so Gary Thomas, he, you know, is quoted in this talk and here's this definition of this thing called pathways. It's your preferred uh, environment and or activity for connecting with God through Christ. What it means is all of us are wired up in certain ways and we're different, we're unique. And so we have different pathways to get to God through the person of Jesus Christ, ways that we connect with God. In fact, the, the way he got this book, this guy Gary Thomas, was he began to ask people over a few decades this simple question, and I want you to ask it of yourself. When do you feel closest to God? When do you feel closest to God? Now, as he began to ask that question, and I hope you're asking even right now, when do I feel closest to God? When he asked that question, he got back very similar answers. And so he wrote a book based on what people said. And so there's these pathways. This is, the idea is you feel closest to God with one, two, maybe three of these pathways, maybe more, but at least a couple. And the first one is simply this, the naturalist pathway. This is when a person feels closest to God when they spend time in creation. These are the park dwellers, the beach walkers, the deer stand sitters. The Discover Channel watchers. The people that blow your Instagram up every day with the sunset. You ever just want to like type it back? I get it. It's beautiful. And they're like, no, no, the colors are different. And, and I know, but it didn't translate, right? And so, but, but that people, they love being in creation. They, they, they love the design. And, and when they see the design of the creation, they go, there's a designer behind all this. And I connect with God. When they daydream, they think about being outside. Some of you are doing that right now. Will this guy get done talking so I can go outside, right? Their thoughts go to God's creation. They just, you know, wanna do, last time I spoke, I talked about outdooring. They love doing outdooring. Doesn't matter what it is, they just wanna be there. I think King David, who wrote the Psalms and, and, and talked a ton about worship, as we have in this series, has it right. He says, the heavens tell of the glory of God, and here's the deal, the skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. For some of you, there is just a connection to being outside. You'll risk your life for this stuff. This guy in our church was a rock climber, and he actually turned it into a business, and one day he came to church, and he kind of limping up to me, he had a sling in his arm, and he looked like he'd been in a fight. I'm like, dude, did you get jumped? What happened to you? Like, what? He's like, nah, I fell. 
when I was rock climbing. I'm like, how far? He's like 25 feet. I'm like, wow, and you're here at church. That's impressive. He's like, yeah. He goes, and I didn't see him for, for the next week. And then two weeks later, I came in, and limp is a little better. Face looks a little better. No longer a single arm. I'm like, what'd you do this weekend? He said, I went rock climbing. I'm like, you went rock climbing after almost dying? He's like, I know. I just can't help myself. I just can't. I just feel. And what it, he, he connected with God in nature in ways that he didn't connect with God in other ways. How many of you would say, I might be a naturalist. I just might be that. All right. There's people that have this pathway called the relational pathway. These are the people who feel closest to God when they're in relationship with other people. Uh, They are typically, not always, but typically extroverts. They gain emotional and spiritual strength by being around people. They love small groups, they love to pray with people, they love to talk with God, uh, to God uh, with people, they love to talk about God with people, They, they just want to hang out. And, and the writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. People with a relational pathway are constantly stirring you up to be in relation. When you don't show up at the small group, they're texting, right? They don't see you in worship a couple weeks, you know, they're, 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 they're messaging you. Why? Because they, they feel connected to God when they're with you. And so they bother you all the time. And they always want to have coffee, and they always want to have dinner, and they always want to have tea, and they always want to, blah, 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 whatever. Whatever it is, just to get. Why? Because they feel close to God when they connect with you. And this explains how people are. And sometimes they can, you know, feel kind of strange or smothering, but what, what, there are just people out there that just love to be with people because it, it connects them to God. How many think you might be one of those people? You just love being with people, yeah. There's the service pathway. This is when you feel closest to God by serving God in a ministry. People with this pathway, they're the doers. They jump in, they love changing diapers in children's ministry, they love serving the poor, anything. Like, get me off the bench, man. I gotta do something. Going to church bores them. Like, what are we doing sitting, man? We gotta serve, we gotta, by the way, in a volunteer-driven organization like the church, these people are critical, right? These are the dream teamers that make so much happen in the church. They love to serve God. They wanna know how they're gifted so they can use those gifts. We had a guy like this in our church, and um, he was a new Christian, but he just loved to serve. He, he, was, he was just trying to figure things out. He would bring like hard liquor to church barbecues and stuff, small groups. <laughs> We'd be praying, and he'd be like, cussing during the prayer, and we just thought it was awesome. Like, this guy is unbelievable. But he was a, he would, in a portable church, man, it's really hard when you're a church planner, he would uh, go and get the trailer every morning, because all of our stuff to set up worship is in a trailer, I mean, in the community center. And sometimes the lock on the place would be, like, not working, and John would figure out how, a way around that, and get our stuff to us at church. I mean, he just, and I just said to him, one day, it's like, bro, you're gonna burn out. Like, you're doing, he's like, you don't understand. I live for this. Th- this is where my heart comes alive. I'm not gonna burn out. This, this is actually giving me life. I just love to serve. How many of you think yeah, this might be you? All right, yeah, God bless you and may your tribe increase, all right? Because we need you in the church. Use your gifts. And this is exactly 
what Paul is saying. He says, if your gift of that is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If you have a gift to encourage each other, do it. Whatever your gift is, use it, is what Paul is saying in the book of Romans. And people with this pathway, what they love to do is they love to use their gifts. And sometimes you gotta figure out kind of what those are by serving. In other words, you're not always gonna know, okay, this is my gift and this is my place. Sometimes you gotta kind of figure it out, right? But people with this pathway inspire us and they make so much happen for us in the church, it's unbelievable. Some of us have an intellectual pathway. And this is when you feel closest to God, when your mind is stimulated. So, so these are the folks who love to research. These are the fo- folks uh, who love books. These are the folks who love to ask why. Why? Why do we do it this way? Why does this happen? And, why? and so they are always hunting the why. And, and, and I mean, don't give them some shallow answer, man. Because they will blow you. They, they, will, they will challenge you because they, they just love to have their brains engaged. One of my favorite writers is a guy named C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest minds in Christianity. He came to Christ through his mind. He began to think, he was an atheist, and began to research who Jesus was. And you know, one of the greatest minds in the history of the world, for sure, in Christianity. And he wrote amazing books. Figured out how to tell the gospel story through uh, children's stories, like the Chronicles of Narnia. Just amazing, amazing guy. Well, what he had an intellectual pathway. And listen, <clears throat> So, so, so this is kind of hard because you kind of feel weird, but has anybody got this one, intellectual pathway? We don't really know what to do with you in church sometimes. <laughs> you're always asking why and you're smarter than us, and, but you may not be smart. You, you may not be intelligent at all. You may just have this pathway, or you might be. More likely that you are, and you love to think thoughts and you love to think deeply, and you are needed in the church. You are needed. We need you to help us think strategically. We need you to, to help us understand the why. Like, the, folks like this have had such an influence in the kingdom of God. And so you just need to know, if you have this pathway, there's a place for you. Very head, Now, on the other side, there's people with the worship pathway. These are the people who feel closest to God when they're adoring God. Intellectuals tend, can be, if they're not careful, all head. Worship people can be all heart. These are the folks that... Every time you get in a car, the Christian radio station's on, right? They're, they're driving you crazy, like texting you lyrics to worship songs all the time. The new EP comes out from, from, from the worship band, and they listen to it like 75 times in a row. And, and so they, 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 just, what, they just sing. They love to sing. They love to, 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 to download music. They just love it, love it, love it. In fact, some of you are like, will you stop talking so we can keep singing? That's what you want. Because why? You feel close to God when you're singing. Right, there's just something about it, your heart. King David was a, an incredible worshiper. He said, praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how right. So I just wanna say, it's delightful and right as you drive us crazy with listening to the same song over and over again. It's good, we love you. We're, we, we, and you inspire us to engage our hearts, those of you who have this pathway. Because some of us, we love to live in our heads. We love to live up here. We don't really like emotions. We don't really like passion. It makes us a little uncomfortable. And when we see you worshiping, it inspires us. So keep doing it. Keep singing. Keep worshiping. You are helping us. You're preparing us for heaven. I know sometimes we get, you know, the, the songs get repetitive. Like, you realize there's a bunch of songs that 
are already in the Bible that we're gonna sing for eternity. They're in the book of Revelation. We're gonna sing them over and over and over again. These people, these worship people, are helping us get ready from heaven, for heaven by listening to the same song and the same, why? Because we're gonna sing and, and they're getting us ready. You wanna be tra on training wheels in heaven with music, right? You don't, I, oh, I, mean, I need 5,000 years to like train on this thing. No, let's get ready now, right? And our worship people are helping us do that right now. And so if you're a little bit uncomfortable sometimes in sign, I understand that. It's a vulnerable thing to sing in front. Where do you sing in public other than the national anthem at the football game? So it's kind of odd, but, but watch these folks. They're our guide, not just for now, but even into eternity. They love to sing. There are people who are what are called activists. These are the people who feel closest to God when leading others to action, and guess what? Our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, is this. We had a little small group last night dinner afterwards that Pastor Greg led over Mexican food, and he asked us, and he said, this is my pathway, and, and, and I was like, duh. Who moves to a city they have zero history with almost, starts a church, right? He and Debbie, 30 years, who does that? Somebody with this pathway, that's who does that. And so what, what, is, what does Pastor Greg always do? Pastor Greg always gets to the edge and then he brings all of us with him and makes us all very uncomfortable sometimes, right? Why? This is what activists do. My friend uh, Francis Chan is an activist. He was a pastor of a great church, one of the most you know, popular conference speakers, authors, and um, he felt like God called him to go live among the poor, so he moved to the poorest district in San Francisco, the Tenderloin District, and he lives with the under-resourced and marginalized. He has uh, guys that get out of prison living in his house, and he just, and, and, and he's so challenging, right? It's, it, I mean, to hear that story, it's like, wow. I have a friend, Shane, who used to speak a lot at conferences, and, and Shane had uh, a passion for homeless people, and for challenging comfortable Christians. And so almost every conference he went to, he would say, all right, now we're gonna do an offering, which you never wanna hear, right, uh, at, at a conference. We're gonna do an offering. He said, it's gonna be a little different though. Take your shoes off. He would make everybody take their shoes off and he would give those shoes to the poor. And so after a couple of these, I started wearing cheaper shoes. <laughs> like, I'll give them, but I'm not... I don't know if I want, but see, what, what's he doing? What's he doing? He's challenging, he's, this is what activists do. They have a, usually a heart, uh, you know, for the underdog. Like they, they hate injustice. They wanna lead other people into action. They wanna challenge people's comfort. They want to change the world. This was Joshua in the Old Testament. I love this, Joshua looks out at God's people risking his life and saying this. He says, listen, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Here's the line, who's with me? That's what activists do to us. That's why they're not great to go to dinner with. Because they're gonna mess with you a little bit. How many of you mess with people? How many of you are activists in the house? A little bit like that, yeah. Watch these people, look at their hands, avoid them. <laughs> if you wanna stay comfortable. God bless you, activists. The world changes because of you. 
There are the contemplative people, pathway people, and they feel closest to God when alone with God. They tend to shy away from activities and they try to be alone. They tend to be introverts, not always, but a lot of times. They love to be with God. They guard that time. Um, and, you know, this is my wife. And so she, uh, this morning, got up, you know, early and, you know, we're here hanging out with the family and she's like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm gonna go to the beach. I'm like, good, you should go to the beach. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, you, you're married to a crazy man and you have four kids and you should totally do that. And, but but that, she's not getting away as much as she's coming to. Does that make sense? It's not that she's just getting away from people. She is meeting with God. So this isn't just about picking up seashells and sand dollars. It's about her connecting with God by herself. And her pathway also happens to be nature. So double bonus, right? Double win. These are contemplative people. There's a great story where Jesus praises a contemplative person. Typically, contemplative people are not praised in our society. They're criticized. And we're going to see why. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. teaching. But Martha was what? Martha was distracted. How? Watch out, service pathway people. With much serving. You can be distracted in your busyness and service to God. Martha was. What did Jesus do? She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. I mean, my gosh, we got, we got pumpkin pie to make? What are you doing sitting there? What? Come on. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary, and I love this. The, the Lord answered, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary's doing the right thing. This is good. It's good that she's sitting here. We have a little uh, phrase in our culture, right? Finish it. Don't just sit there. A contemplative would tell us, don't just do something. Sit there. In fact, that's what Jesus said. And for some of us, this is the missing link, isn't it? We're so hurried, we're so busy, and if we would just slow down and sit before God. I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what God wants me to do. Are you ever quiet enough? You gotta be quiet, you gotta be still. And it doesn't have to be a quiet place. You can be in a mall, right, and be dialed in and connect. Contemplatives show us the way. They may not be great relationally, they may be great conversationalists, but if we'll watch them, we'll learn from them. And they'll teach us how to be with God. It's really hard for us doers, really hard. So, okay, what do you do with all this? Well, let me encourage you. Some of you, it's hard to raise your hand. You're still processing the information. Some of you are fearful to raise your hand because um, your spouse or somebody close to you might keep you accountable or who, who knows, right? But here's, here's my guess. One or two of these things stuck for you. 
and you're, you're going, okay, that probably is me. Here's my encouragement. Throw yourself into it. Throw yourself into your pathway. If you're an intellectual, think deeply about God. I mean, get some books, thick books, and go for it. Get on the internet, whatever you do, right? You activists, like, go cause some trouble somewhere. <laughs> go make people uncomfortable, in Jesus' name. You relational folks, get in a small group or get the people from your small group and do coffee, tea, lunch, breakfast, CrossFit, iron, whatever you do. Just get some people around you. If you're contemplative, don't feel guilty. Stop feeling guilty. Don't think you're lazy. Go spend time with God by yourself. You service people. Man, keep serving. Keep encouraging other people to serve. If you've got that pathway and you're not in, get on the dream team. Go to the inside track. You worship people, keep singing. Keep sending us song lyrics. Keep sending us, you know, Spotify links. Keep doing your thing. Go after God. So throw yourself into your path. And listen, don't limit yourself. You know why? All of these pathways, guess what? They're all commanded. We don't get to pick and choose. But here's an idea, and I took myself up on my advice a couple weeks ago. Uh, I, I went to a deer stand, and I love being outside, didn't really see much, but it was just great being outside. And I, had, I took my phone with me, because we do this group text thing, and really that keep us interested in, in, in when it's cold and dark. And, but I also have this thing on my phone called the Bible, right? And so I took my Bible with me into creation <clears throat> because I'm a naturalist. I use my main pathway to help me do some things like read my Bible, which can be a struggle sometimes. See how this works? Use your main pathways to help you engage your less passionate ones. So that can look at a lot of different ways, but, but you're smart, you'll figure it out. And let's see what happens. Let's experiment. Because, you know, this is just, a, this is just some tools to help us engage. But if we, will, if we will do this, what happens? We become worshipers. We become worshipers, which means what? We're living as Jesus would if he were in our place. And that involves thinking thoughts like he would think that involves feeling feelings like he felt. Jesus was compassionate, Jesus was empathetic, Jesus got angry, right? Feeling like he would feel and then doing what he would do. Jesus gave his life to love and serve people. That's what he did. He honored God and he helped people. And we can do the same and that's what it means to worship. And that's our invitation, friends. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that you love us. And thank you for all these pathways and all these different ways that you speak to us in the Bible that help us understand that there is no cookie cutter method. There is no perfect and right technique. There's a bunch of ways for us to connect. And thank you that you made us and that your thoughts are precious towards us. 
thank you, Lord, that we can get close to you. And so help us, Lord, to figure out what that looks like for us. In Jesus' name, amen.